Welcome to Revive School. I'm Sean Carlson. I get the joy and the pleasure of hanging out with you today. We are in Philippians 4. This is Lesson 61 of the Pauline Epistles. And uh, Philippians 4, man, this is the end of the book. It just seems like these Pauline Epistles, we fly, we burn right through them. We fly right through them. Uh, four chapters here, four chapters in the next book. And uh, it just goes so quickly when you're reading a chapter a day. I do hope uh, that you are getting stuff out of even these short letters. They're just jam-packed with information. I love them, and uh, and I'm really excited about Philippians 4 today. Uh, just a summary of the book of Philippians. Um, uh, as, as this letter was written, it really wasn't written to a church in crisis like some of the other letters. And so we get to hear more of Paul's love and, and affection for the church and his appreciation and a sense of encouragement that he's going to bring to the church. And so that's a, a nice refresher versus like 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians where he's addressing certain things. Uh, and, and as he's wrapping up through the first, second, and third chapters, he's building momentum. He's building, building momentum in his encouragement towards the church to be sharing the gospel and advancing the kingdom. You know, Paul is a, a, a very wise leader, and I think he's a very strategic in the way that he led and that he built relationships. And if you think of how uh, the church of, uh, of Philippi developed, it was his first church that he planted in Europe, and it was successful. And, and, I, and when I think about that, you just think about how... Uh, in his heart, it just must have held a special place because it was actually working. What he set out to do was actually working. And the people who he surrounded himself with in the church and who he continues to pour into, they are doing the work that he's called them to do and that he's equipped them to do. And so this affection comes through in the letter of uh, to the Philippians. Uh, and as we're going to see as we get into chapter 4, there's really two sections. Uh, the first section, which we're going to spend a lot of time on, is he's, he's giving some everyday reminders to the believers in the church. And he's, he's just kind of these last uh, points that he wants him to remember. And then he's going to get into some encouragement. Uh, but as we talk about the reminders and we think about Paul and, and what he built and, and he visited them up to four times, uh, most scholars would say, and, and he's got this love for them. We're going to see that. But he leaves these reminders. And so I was thinking of some of the everyday reminders that I just experienced in my, in my regular life. And as I was studying through these, I, I took note of some of the everyday reminders that I saw. And so one of them is I was using a public restroom and there was a sign in the public restroom, this everyday reminder that says, employees must wash hands before returning to work. That's an everyday reminder. So it's, it's something that we know we should do. We should wash our hands before we return to work if we're an employee. Uh, not everybody else, just the employees. <laughs> uh, but it's an everyday reminder of something that we just need to be reminded of. Uh, there's another sign that I see in, in restrooms that says employees must wash hands. And when I see that, I just I wait there and no employee shows up to wash my hands. Uh, but we see these everyday reminders. Uh, when, I, when I get my hot cup of coffee sometimes, on the lid it says caution it contains hot liquid well of course it contains hot liquid that's what i ordered but it's an everyday reminder <laughs> it's an everyday reminder of something that's so simple but but sometimes you see things that uh, either out of stupidity or out of just good stewardship we need to be reminded of and and paul leaves a list of reminders for the church in philippi that he wants them to remember and so uh, that's how we're going to start off with uh, philippians 4 and we're going to start in verse 1, and uh, we'll read it, and then we'll talk about his affection, and then we'll get into this list of reminders. So, verse 1, Philippians 4, it says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm, thus in the Lord, my beloved. And this 
What this does is this sets up, it reminds us of Paul's affection for the believers in Philippi. It reminds us of uh, how he views them. And I think it also just gives us a, a, a picture into the relationship that they have, which we will see as he speaks into them. It says, my brothers who I love and long for. Uh, remember, these are people who Paul did ministry with. Uh, and, and he helped build the church with them. If you've ever thought of like a project that you've done where you've, where you've built, uh, something together or you've in, in endured some, some long project that was hard or you've gone on a mission trip, you have this sort of affection and a strong relational connection with the people who you did that with. And this is Paul. And, and we remember back in Philippians chapter one and verse five, he talks to them and, and then he says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, this indicates that Paul's got this deep relationship with them. And I think that relationship gives him the authority and the credibility to speak into them, especially as we get into this list of reminders. So this, what this does is this, this paints a picture for us about what these people, these believers in Philippi, mean to Paul. And it gives him kind of the legwork or the framework to stand on as he then gives this list of reminders. And so uh, starting in verse 2, we're going to start to build this list of reminders. And I, I, if I remember correctly, there's nine of them. And so we're going to check this out. In verse 2, it says, I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. And so, first of all, this word entreat, this word entreat means to address or to speak into or to instruct or to teach. And so I want to share some observations about this because uh, Paul is addressing, as Constable would say, Paul is addressing in this an estrangement between two believers, these two women. And uh, what's unique about this is that he is uh, taking a very gentle approach to addressing this conflict. And, and a lot of commentators were really uh, careful about how they approached this. This wasn't something that was a, a, a something that needed to be resolved. This wasn't a, a great conflict in the church. But many believe that this is something that Paul could see the beginnings of, of maybe a conflict or uh, this estrangement. And he wanted to address it before it became something larger. And how we know that Paul gently approaches is uh, three things. Uh, number one, we don't know what the possible disagreement was. And so we don't have anything to say, yes, this was big or small. But uh, because we don't know what the possible disagreement was, we go to some other clues. The second one is that Paul lists both the names and the instructions, which is to entreat he lists them equally. So he could say, he could say, hey, I want you to talk to Kevin and Rich. I want you to instruct Kevin and Rich about this disagreement that they're having. Well, when you say, when you say it like that, there's just one instruction to Kevin and Rich. And, it, and you could get the impression that uh, maybe Kevin is, is more right or more wrong than Rich. Paul is putting these two on equal playing fields. I think he's trying not to take sides. Uh, and then, and then the third uh, is that this language, entreat or to instruct or to address is a very gentle reminder type language. And so I wanted to point that out because I think what Paul is seeking here is he's seeking unity. And that's the first reminder that Paul is giving us. Uh, so the first reminder is unity. And that is in verse 2. What Paul is trying to do is he's trying to pursue unity within the body. And I believe that he's trying to model how to maintain unity. It is a whole lot easier to maintain unity than it is to try to restore relationship and build unity up from something that was destroyed. And so this is a reminder that Paul is giving them. Maintain unity. And by the way, here's a, a way that you might be able to go about that, maintaining unity. Go on to verse 3, Kevin. 
It says, yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. And so from this verse, we're going to get our second reminder. And so Paul uses this phrase, true companion. He, what he's doing here is he's, he's continuing to remind and build upon the relationship that he has uh, with who, I, I believe, who he is perceiving to read this letter for the initial time. He is saying, you're my true companion, you're my buddy, help these women. This is in, uh, in opposition or, or in contrast to saying uh, something that's uh, shorter. So instead of saying, hey loser, go out and resolve this conflict, he's, he's building upon his uh his relationship and his relational currency with the believers to say, why don't you address this and, and help them get through and maintain some unity? And so the second everyday reminder that we have in Paul's letter to the Philippians is this, is that good relationships, good relationships build, I'm sorry, good relationship is relational currency. And that's in verse 3. So relational currency, what is that? Paul has the authority and the ability to speak into others because he has relational currency with him. He has that credibility with him. And it's because he has maintained good relationship. If you remember, he's visited them several times, up to four. He, he's writing this letter. They encourage him. He encourages them. There's a good relationship there. And that's the currency that has, uh, gives him the authority to speak into things. So that's the second one. The third one, if we go to verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Remember, when we read something in the Bible that's written there twice, it must be important. When we read something in the Bible that's there twice, it must be important. And what rejoice is, is, is show great joy in the Lord. Show great joy in the Lord. As believers, we walk around with Christ inside of us, with the Holy Spirit inside of us. Christ is the Lord of our lives. That should give us a sense of joy that we should be displaying everywhere. It should be contagious when we walk around our homes, our communities, our workplaces. Our joy should be forefront in our lives because I think that's one of the things that people are attracted to about Christianity. And so the everyday reminder in this, the number three is, check this out, it's don't be a party pooper. Has anybody ever, have you guys ever been around a party pooper? What is a party pooper? Uh, someone who brings it, brings it down. Yeah, a Debbie Downer. Don't be a party pooper. Re rejoice in the Lord. Show great joy in the Lord. I say rejoice. Paul's building up this church. He's building relational currency. He's trying to encourage them and send them on to keep uh, them in this posture of advancing a kingdom and sharing the gospel. And he's saying, be joyful about it. Don't be a party pooper. That's the third everyday reminder that Paul is giving the Philippians. So he's, he's pursuing unity. He's wanting them to maintain a sense of unity within the church, within their families and their communities. He, he knows that good relationship is relational currency. And that's, that's both within the church and as they go out and advance their church into other regions. And then he's saying, don't be a Debbie Downer. Don't be a party pooper. Rejoice in the Lord. Be happy for what you have in eternal life. And now we'll go on for the fourth one. We'll go on to verse 5 and 6, Kevin. It says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so this, this reasonableness, don't be reason, I'm sorry, 
So he says, be reasonable and don't let anxiousness rule you, is what he's saying in these two verses. Be reasonable. And I believe that there's part of this, that, that reasonableness is an anecdote to anxiousness. And I know there's a broad spectrum and depth to, to anxiousness and, and people have anxiety. And so there's, there's many facets to this. But I, in this context, in the context of an everyday reminder, I think what Paul's saying is he's saying, be reasonable about things so that you are not anxious. I know that I've been anxious about things uh, in, in my life. Uh, I, if, if you know me well enough, you know around 11 o'clock every day, I get a little bit anxious about when we're going to eat lunch. And, and, and if I let that go too far, I get a little cranky about things. And so one of the ways that I can combat that crankiness is to be reasonable. All right, we're going to go out at 1130. It's going to be fine. Like I can be reasonable about that. And it's the anecdote to my anxiousness. And so Paul is saying in this, uh, in this fourth reminder, this is a long one, is he's saying, keep calm, be steady, and be ready with prayer. And so his everyday reminder is to keep calm, which is reasonableness, stay steady, which I believe is also connected to reasonableness, and stay ready. And this is verse 5 and 6. Stay ready. Be connected to God. God will humble you. God will keep you reasonable. And when you are reasonable, it's, 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 a, it's a way to combat anxiousness. It's an anecdote to anxiousness. And this prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, Paul's giving an everyday reminder to the Philippians. Keep calm. Stay steady. Stay ready with prayer. That's our fourth everyday reminder. And then we get into verse 7. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this peace of God that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. We always hear this phrase, guard your heart, guard your heart. Well, all right, what am I guarding my heart against? What am I guarding my mind against? What are some of the things, Kevin, Rich, Tom, what are some of the things that you have to guard your heart against in your just your everyday walk? Uh, just, I think just laziness. Yeah. Laziness. Rich getting frustrated at drivers. <laughs> Traffic. Okay. Tom, anything? I agree with rich. Um, I'd say frustration with kids, frustration with kids. Yeah. So disobedience, frustration, laziness, these are things that we're all tempted into in our everyday walk. And we want to guard our heart and our mind against these things. And what, what this is saying is that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which means that it's a gigantic, overwhelming peace of God. When I have peace and I'm driving, maybe, maybe that, that driver's not going to bother me as much. When I have peace about what God has called me to, maybe that motivates me to not be lazy. When I have peace about how God is calling me to raise my kids, maybe that gives me a, a, a peace about uh, their disobedience at times. And so this peace of God, allow this peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. So understanding, it's so big. Allow that to overwhelm us and overcome us so that we can begin to guard our hearts and our minds. And so that gives us the fifth, number five. This is the fifth everyday reminder that Paul is leaving the Philippians. It's allow God to overwhelm you. Allow God to overwhelm, overwhelm you. That's verse seven. 
So if I allow God to overwhelm me, God's peace is going to overwhelm me, which is too big for me to understand. And that's going to help me guard my heart and my mind. And in the context of the Philippian church, remember they're building this momentum towards advancing the gospel. He wants people to go out into the mission field with a sound mind, a sound heart, guarded against the things of the world, against the things of the enemy. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, if I let that overwhelm me, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. And so then we have verse 8. It says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Again, in the context of an everyday reminder and in the context of Paul equipping his beloved church to go out and advance the kingdom of God through the gospel, he is saying, stay true, stay pure, uh, do the things that are just, do the things that are commendable, pursue excellence. If there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So things that are worthy of praise, things that are noble, things that are of the Lord, Think about these things. Too often I think that, that we can get caught up in thinking about the things that are going wrong or the what ifs. So like things that are going wrong. If you're, if you're working on a project at work or if, if you're trying to advance into a city and you know uh, this church is not getting on board or my boss is really being a jerk towards me or he's not giving me the tools or the training that I need to get my job done. If I'm consumed with thinking about those things, it, it takes the place in my mind, in my mind of, thinking about the things that are praiseworthy, thinking about the things of, yes, okay, so I might not have the training or the tools to complete this project, but I have some amazing coworkers who are very inventive and we can come up with something. And so I can think about that instead. That's praiseworthy. I can think about if this church is not on board with uh, a city that we're trying to pursue, uh, that can consume my mind and I can worry about that one church or I can consume my mind and, and give praise to the 10 or 12 churches that are on board or the person of peace that we have in a community that's going to help us get other churches on board. I don't have to consume myself with the things that are of God. If anything is praiseworthy, think about that. And so the, the reminder that we have from Paul, the everyday reminder in this, number six, is do the right thing. That's, that's really a short summary of it. Uh, we'll talk about it. Do the right thing. Do the right thing, and that's in verse 8. If I'm doing the right thing, remember, uh, whatever is honorable, just, pure, whatever is lovely, those are the right things. Those are the things of God. If I do the right things and focus on the right things, I'm going to be a lot better equipped and and be able to advance, uh, in the Philippian context, advance the kingdom of God a lot better than I would if I was focusing on the things that are distractions, the things that I cannot control, the things that are not of God. So Paul is pursuing unity in verse 2. He wants the church to be unified in their, in their congregation, in their families, in their communities. Unity. And he wants, he, he wants them to remember every day that good relationships produce our or our relational currency. They are valuable to us. And then he's saying, don't be a party pooper. Don't let your things of your, of your own personal life be a Debbie Downer to those around you or yourself. He's saying, keep calm, stay steady, and stay ready in prayer. He's saying, allow God to overwhelm you, this peace of God. And he's saying, do the right thing. Focus on the right things of God, not of the enemy. And then the final thing, this is in verse 9. 
I said I said there was nine. Uh, there's only uh, seven, but they end in verse nine. Uh, and so verse nine says, uh, verse nine says, "What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Practice what things? He's saying practice the things that you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you." Paul spent a lot of time visiting. Uh, the Philippian church. He spent a, uh, a lot of energy and uh, thought writing to them letters. He has relational currency with them. And he's saying, you've learned all these things from me. This is what I want you to do. And this is what he's saying. This is our, our, our last everyday reminder. Repeat. He's saying, repeat. We've got one through six. He's saying, repeat it. This is not something that I can pursue unity one time. If I'm, if I'm talking about a family member, I can, I can pursue unity. Uh, but pursuing unity once is good. But if I am in constant pursuit of unity, I need to always be repeating that. Always being uh, aware of the relationships that I have constantly, constantly building relationship. We know that for, you know, from our marriages or from our friendships, you, you can become friends with somebody one time. But if you're not going to maintain that friendship, that friendship will deteriorate over time and it's no longer valuable to you or your friend. So maintaining relational currency is an ongoing process. You have to repeat that building into the relationship. Uh, being a powdery pooper, this is not just one time, don't be a powdery pooper. This is like all the time. Do not be a party pooper all the time. It's repeat that everyday reminder. Keep calm, steady, stay ready in prayer. That's constant. Constantly allow God to overwhelm you. Constantly do the right thing. Constantly do these things over and over again. These are my last everyday reminders to you in this letter, and I want you to do them constantly. And when you do that, it says the God of peace will be with you. This will produce a framework for you. This is not the only thing, but these things will produce a framework for you so that you can continue to advance the kingdom of God and represent Christ well in your community. I, I remember I, I worked at a, a, a bank uh, for nine years. I've, I've probably told this story a few times, but I worked there. And uh, just before I joined Time to Revive, uh, I had my last couple of weeks there. And I, I spent those last two weeks just training up people, meeting with people, reminding them of all of the little things that uh, they needed to remember. And it was constant. And I didn't remind them of things that didn't have any value. The things that I said, hey, remember, don't forget this. Or at the end of the year, don't forget to do this. The things that I knew that I needed to remind them were things of value that I knew would produce fruit in the work that they were doing so that they could continue to be successful. Paul's doing that here. And, and I still maintain a relationship with a lot of those people. And, and we talk once every couple of weeks. And I still, hey, how's that going? I check in. Are you, are you, not, are you still doing that? But tell me how it's going because I know that you continue to do that. And Paul's doing this. And I, I think that he still has this history of checking in and maintaining relationships with past people. And so I think that's a, a great illustration. That's, that's verses 1 through 9. That's the everyday reminder. And then in the time remaining, verses 10 through 20, Paul's thanking the Philippians for sending him money, and, and kind of when they didn't really request it. And so we're going we're gonna to read through these. I'm going to make some, uh, some comments because I think there's some things that we can learn. So uh, starting at verse 10, uh, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but had no opportunity. Uh, I want to point out two words there, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. That, to me, that indicates that uh, they have not just 
flippantly uh, revive their concern. They, at length, they have revived their concern. This is a longevity thing. And then the, the second word I want to point up, it says, says, you were indeed concerned for me. That word indeed, if you have a chance to go just do like a word study on that, but it is for sure that they are concerned for him. There is no doubt. He is risen indeed. Like he is risen. He's using this word, you are indeed concerned for me. It's like they're looking for an opportunity to bless Paul. They have such relational currency with one another that they know that at some point in time, they're going to be blessed by the opportunity to bless Paul. And now comes their chance and says in verse 11, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. Those are two contrasting things. I know how to be low and I know how to have abundance. And in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. Again, two contrasting words. I've learned the secret of placing, uh, of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And what is it? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul knows how to get through the good times and the bad. Paul knows how to get through feast and famine. Paul knows how to get through these things. And what is it? It's with Christ. He who strengthens me. And so this is a final encouragement, a reminder to them, like be with Christ. And then if we go on to verse 14, yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that at the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except only you. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. So Paul is not after the gift. Paul is truly a kingdom guy. He is seeking fruit in the kingdom. And he knows that because the Philippian church poured into him financially, that they're going to get credit for that. And that's what Paul is after. Paul wants the people who surround him to get credit for the faithfulness that they have. He's building up a framework so that they can be blessed in verse 18, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from uh, Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he sends some greetings. And I just want to say this, when, when you're doing the will of God and the work of God, God is going to provide for every needs. Uh, just, just the other day, uh, we're, we're trying to raise money for it. It's a small project that we've got going on. And the Lord laid on my heart somebody who I should call. And I haven't talked to this person in a while. And uh, I left him a message and said, hey, man, we're trying to raise a little bit of money to pay for a couple things. And the Lord laid you on my heart. I would just love if you would pray about this need and see if God would have you financially give towards it. And uh, he had left me a voicemail back and he said, man, that's the craziest thing. I was, my wife and I were praying the other day and just out of nowhere, they said, you need to give this money to Time to Revive. And uh, so I called him back from that voicemail. I was like, are you serious? And he, he called me back and he said, it was awesome. I, I haven't, you know, we, we get your email updates and things like that, but uh, the Lord just said we needed to give this money. And it was what I was asking him for. It was the same dollar amount I was asking him for. And sure enough, I walked out to, uh, to the front where we were opening the mail and that check was there the same day that I called him. And so God knows uh, the needs that we have in the ministry that we're doing. And he uses other people to be blessed by the act of giving. And he uses other uh, uh, people to, to bless 
in the giving so that we can advance the work that God has called us to do. So Philippians, it's a, it's a great uh, letter to a wonderful church that, got, uh, that Paul has incredible ties to. He labored with them. Uh, he is proud of them. This is the first church in Europe. And he just wants to write a letter to encourage them, give them some everyday reminders, and then thank them for the way that they've walked alongside of him. I hope this letter has been a blessing to you. It's been a blessing to me, and it's been fun hanging out with you today. I hope to see you again next time with Rive School. Have a great day, everybody.